welcome to the Fallon Forum and welcome to KHOI. Thank you to KHOI for the live broadcast opportunity today. Uh, Fallon Forum, of course, is where we bring you progressive voices from America's heartland. And this is Ed Fallon, your host, and we're coming to you from Des Moines, Iowa. On today's program, I get to eat some crow. Yep. Uh, it appears that my dire prediction of Donald Trump uh, stealing the election uh, might have been wrong. It's the best tasting crow ever. So uh, also on today's program, um, you know, America may have dodged the judicial coup, but um, with the um, ongoing threat of uh, Trump endorsed violence, uh, we still have some manner of problem ahead of us. So we're going to discuss that on the program as well today. And finally, we're going to we're going to cut to the chase. It was um, from a Democrat's point of view. You know, Joe Biden won. Hallelujah. But the Democratic train wreck across the board beyond that was pretty, pretty devastating. And now there's all this soul searching and we're going to engage in some of that soul searching because I think it's really, really important. We'll talk about that in this program as well. So before I introduce our panelists today, I want to take a second to recognize some of our underwriters. Um, underwriting provided by Gateway Marketing Cafe. That's a full service grocery store in Des Moines, Sherman Hill neighborhood. The cafe is open seven days a week for lunch and supper and for breakfast on the weekends. Cafe orders are also available using Gateway's takeout service. More information at gatewaymarket.com. Underwriting also provided by Architecture by Synthesis, offering planning, design, and design build services for high-performance, low-maintenance buildings. They specialize in environmentally friendly designs, including insulated structures made from grain bins, more at architecturebysynthesis.com. Underwriting also by Noche Jazz and Cabaret, located in downtown Des Moines. Uh, Noche features both national acts and local performers, including Max Wellman, Gina Gedler, Tina Haas Findlay, and Nick Leo. Noche also offers a cocktail bar and serves a variety of small plates. More information at nochedsm.com. Again, I want to thank the four folks who have joined us today. And uh, Three of you were here two weeks ago when we did our post-election brief. Uh, Pasha Morgan is back. He's a human rights activist and a self-described political junkie. He's mm -hmm. also a public speaker on racial inequality and African-American history. He's also a veteran of the U.S. Army and is no stranger to hard work because last year, pa last year Pasha marched 800 miles from Des Moines to Texas to protest the detention of immigrant families. Thank Pasha, you. welcome to the program. Thank you, Ed. Also with us, Kathy Burns, my partner and fellow farmer. She's a writer, editor, climate activist, and former educator who now directs Birds and Bees Urban Farm. Her mission with the farm is to help people learn how to turn their yards into dinner as one solution to the threat of climate chaos. Kathy, welcome to the show. Good to be here. And uh, Charles Goldman, longtime contributor to the Fallon Forum. Uh, he's a surgeon and a palliative doctor at Mercy One in Des Moines. Charles has, uh, in his own words, never run for public office, not even class president, but has been a diligent student of politics and philosophy since his college days. Welcome to the show, Charles. Good to see you, Ed. And with us today for the first time, Chris Adcock. Uh, Chris lives in Southwest Iowa and works at the Connections Area Agency on Aging. She serves as chair of the Page County Democrats and is a recognized leader in regional, rural, and statewide activism. In 2020, Chris ran for the Iowa State House and lost to a 24-year Republican incumbent. Chris, welcome to the program. Thanks. Glad to be here. Okay, so um, again, I mentioned crow. One of my favorite meals, folks, crow. Um, just kidding. Um, I much prefer chicken. But today, I, I get to eat some. I get to eat some crow because I predicted that Trump would keep hammering away at alleged election fraud until he finally was able to bring the election to the U.S. Supreme Court, which he pretty much has you know has is created um yeah but now two weeks later a lot of things have transpired and i'm ready to utter the three words you know according to red green uh, that a man most fears having to say i was wrong so take it away uh, and dish me up some crow folks um charles you want to go first well i i, I think you know the, the game plan was obviously out there for months ahead of time and it was predicated on that he could pull this off in maybe one state, maybe two states, forcing it to the state legislatures um, by not allowing certification of the vote on time. 
but there's too many states involved. And there is too many states involved in which there are Republicans in the positions of power. And they're still not kowtowing to him, other than Lindsey Graham, of course, um, and others. But um, it was it was a one or two state plan. And it, it it's just not playing out. I mean, he can't find a lawyer to bring these cases anymore. I mean, the, well, the Giuliani firm, he, he found he had a lawyer, <laughs> law firm, in fact, um, after they apparently had a meeting uh, of what was it, about a week ago, maybe four or five days ago, and um, it, they, it got heated, according to sources. And uh, they said, they, they, they accused the law firm of lying to the president and those his their words and said that no we've told him the whole time that the chances that these go any further aren't going to be good uh rudy giuliani jumped in and called them uh unpatriotic and something else they quit withdrew from the case and rudy was named as the head lawyer right who had a, an amazingly inept appearance in court today mm -hmm. after that brilliant press conference in front of the uh, landscaping company in Philadelphia a week ago. <laughs> and that, that, that has to be a landmark in political history. <laughs> Kathy and Chris, feel free to jump in here. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, uh, one thing I think about this and, you know, trying to disrupt the, the whole process, I've, I've been a poll worker a number of times, especially in, well, actually it was just down here in rural, our rural county and, and the balance that happens that actually exists in the whole process. I mean, it's so, not partisan. Like the idea that it is, I, you know, the, the one thing I can think about uh, regionally was why does the auditor always put the Republican first on the ballot? It's like, mm -hmm. that's the biggest stink, right? And, and that there's so- I thought, I thought it was random. It's not random? Oh, not necessarily. In the, not in the elections I've seen, it's, uh, it's normally Republican, Democrat, and then independent. Green I thought party. it had to be random, but anyway. It's not small alphabetical. Point. No, it's not alphabetical. Well, at least it wasn't a butterfly ballot. You what? The Sorry. butterfly ballot. That's that was the problem in West in Palm Beach County in 2000. I apologize, Chris. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, that's good to know, though. Thanks. Um, but it, it's just so and, and when you get down to that level, we, when you get to the state level and you examine the process and it's like, yeah, good luck, because it is so um, incontroversial, really what I've seen and what I've heard. And, and I, I live in the reddest part of the state. And the notion that, yeah, no, the elections work is is very common. And, you know, I just don't see it going. Well, Chris, it's a good point because, you know, I know the president is such a populist, but um, <laughs> Giuliani saw fit to disparage the poll workers in Michigan mm -hmm. who came out during a pandemic, who worked 18, you know, 24 hour shifts, Mm -hmm. and disparage them as part of a mafia right. or some other conspiracy. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you have to listen to what these people are saying to the people that are supposedly, yeah. you know, there to push their cause. Well, Chris, what you were saying about the county workers and the county auditors, uh, that's one thing that really does work well about mm -hmm. our democracy, because people take pride in the, the fact that they're responsible for that task. And they, they are not willing to risk the reputations, especially in small towns like you and I are from. Well, you're not from a small town, but you're in one now. And uh, so, you know, that's, that's something that really works well. What didn't work well this time and what kept giving, you know, the current president hope that he could still win this is that his people kept pumping him up with it. You know, just, just you know, the people close to him up until recently were mm -hmm. saying, oh, your polls are looking good. And they kept him pumped up until finally it all fell apart. And then there were there were rumors of people close to him, you know, advising him to, to you know, concede. Uh, he was too pumped up already. And, and frankly, he just, he beat himself in this election. He, he allowed it to happen by telling his base, don't vote by mail, and then acting like it was a surprise when the votes came in. Yeah, I have to say that was so surprised. I don't know. I guess I was caught off guard by just the distinct difference in, you know, the day of votes and then the follow-up absentee ballot votes. I mean, just the, I think if I were the president, I'd be like, okay, whoa, what just happened? You know, not fighting it, but just being a little blown away that 
you know, those absentee ballots were more de democratic than Republican just because of his messaging. Well, that you was know. pretty predictable. I mean, it, pretty much everybody saw that coming. Well, that was part of the scam. <laughs> this was a scam all along. The scam all along was that he was going to declare victory based on the in-person voting and then yell and scream about the corruption of mail ballots. That was the scam right from the beginning. And I, I'd have to disagree. I don't think that, first of all, I don't think that Donald Trump thinks anything that far out. Um, <laughs> to come up with that big, that long, that long, that long a con. Well, he, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but he's like, he's working a lot of stuff right now. Like he's got somebody giving him crib notes, I gotta say. Yeah. Uh, scary. Yeah. He's definitely working it. I'm just saying that as far as him and the long con, I don't think he's I don't think he's that he's that adept at that. That being said, though, I do think that. Well, first, I have to go back because we're talking about this like it's in past tense, but it's not. Yeah, true. Because the Republicans, guys, the the the, the supporters of Donald Trump, do not think this election is over. Like that is not that is not it's not that the most oh they're starting to come around no they literally do not think that it is over the last right. on here mm -hmm. i read you guys a text about what he had sent today he said the same thing big wins in pennsylvania big wins and he hasn't won anything in pennsylvania. Right. every lawsuit he's lost the last six and he just had one i'm sorry go ahead Ed. i want to say i want to get into that conversation i mean i thought it's a really important point pasha about his messaging to his base and his base is still responding for them. It ain't over yet. And I want to talk about that in the okay, next well, but, segment because I think it's going to be. Tasha, what do you think his, his motivation is to continue to talk to his base this way? He's an, I, I think that he has, he has a lot of the characteristics of a narcissist, somebody with narcissistic personality disorder. And if that is the case, then somebody who suffers from that or somebody who has that disorder will burn the whole world down before they admit that they okay i i agree with that's certainly an element of of his just lashing out randomly i do think though that part of it is it's a money raising scheme you know they're collecting a lot of money for his defense yeah they're and, collecting a lot of money but it's impossible to collect amount of money that he needs to get out of the financial trouble he's in that's 500 million dollars and that's not including Deutsche bank right no i totally i i understand that but you know he's already funding his 2024 campaign supposedly with a pact, and I'm sure we'll spend money just like his campaign did. Lawyers um, to help him, you know, dig out of his holes that he's. Right. I was wondering, and I don't know the answer. Does anybody know what the the lawsuits that we've had that the Trump administration has waged against the election? What those are costing taxpayers? I I was wondering that and didn't look it up. Lots, hundreds of millions. I think the last time I looked, I think the last time I looked so far, this is all of the lawsuits. This includes before the election when he was already filing. I think it's reached a number somewhere upwards of three figures, uh, millions. I, I, I don't think this is a case, in fact, where most of the money is coming from the RNC, actually. And that's why 40% of these contributions are going to the RNC. Um, but he's he's setting up whatever he's going to do. He's, he's going to take over one nation, one America nation or whatever, and be some media mogul. Um, but he, I agree with Tasha, he can't believe he lost. But that's that's back to the county level issue is um, NPR just did a study that um, this year, only 77 counties have actually flipped so far. Those are not mostly the rural counties, those are metropolitan uh, suburban areas. Right. So only 77 counties across the US. Have flipped from, from, from red Clinton to, blue. to Trump right. this year. Okay. Right, and that's why people, his base in the counties that are red, you know, Chris, you know, where you're from in Western Iowa, that's why people are in disbelief still because got, everyone they know still thinks it's red. We got, we got a couple minutes left before we got to take a, a quick, uh, quick break. But uh, let me ask you this. Uh, it seems to me that what uh, worked against Trump was the, was a kind of a, an incremental development of a movement within his base. I mean, you, you, had, you had Mitt Romney, President Bush, um, a few other key Republicans coming out against him saying, no, no, the election was fair, move on, Biden's president. And, and then you started having a few more and a few more and then Fox News. I, and I think Fox News was pretty key in mm -hmm. helping to 
defeat his efforts at the judicial coup. I also think the um, the elections uh, agency within the federal government that said, no, this was the fairest and most secure election ever. The guy, and then he fires Krebs because of that. Uh, you know, I think, um, I think to me, all those little things added up. But do you all think there's one element more than any other that really made the difference? Was it Fox News? Was it that agency? Was it any particular, you know, legislator or Republican leader? What do you think? Coronavirus. I coronavirus. Think, I think he lost the coronavirus. I think the little bit of people that could have tipped the scale in his, because here's the thing, the election was way too close. We've already talked about that. We'll get into that another time. But the only thing that actually tipped the scale in his favor were those few, the, the Republican, his, the part of his Republican base that believes in the coronavirus, that understands what's going on, who has lost somebody probably to the coronavirus, um, and 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 his his just ineffective leadership during the entire thing. I think that was his. I think that was his. That that was that was the that was the straw. I think otherwise he. What do you, what do you think, Chris? Uh, oh. I think it's been, I mean, initially there were, I mean, there were the, the quick answers, like this is, is a close race, but it's really not a close race now. I mean, now that the numbers are actually finally coming in and then the lawsuits, what one out of 25 has been able to move forward. The others have either dropped off or, you know, they pulled out, but um, I think it's just, you know, people coming to the realization that the election is lost. He needs to come around to this on his own timeline because he does control th some things. Um, like I, even today, I heard that Kamala Harris got a fist bump from, was it uh, McConnell in the Senate, on the Senate floor today? And that that there are um, Republicans that are like, they're like, all right, let's just wait this out. And you McConnell, know- McConnell, he, McConnell just wants people to believe that he's cool. All right. <laughs> Kathy, what's your thought? <laughs> I, I frankly think he just, he finally played it out. He beat himself. I think he just, the, the, uh, Pasha, as you mentioned, the narcissistic personality, it, he, it got the best of him and he lost, he lost it. You lost him. Charles, what's your final word? Uh, I, I go with Pasha. I think that some Republicans finally made the linkage between mm -hmm. the ineptitude of their coronavirus response made the economic downturn worse because econ the economy was still the number one issue for people. But mm -hmm. somebody, some of the Republican women in particular in the suburbs finally figured it out, mm -hmm. that they, these issues are linked. And as Pasha said, there was a lot of people who have relatives of the quarter of a million people who died from COVID. And eventually they said enough's enough. His lack of empathy has never ever been able to apologize for what happened. Still playing the game. I don't know if it was, I think it was Tennessee that the White House issued a mandate or something like that that told them like, hey, you guys need a mandate because your 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 numbers out of control. Then I, I I can't remember the state, so we're gonna cross off the state. But there was there is a state, and I'll find it during the break. Um, that they they the White House issued told them, hey, encourage them to do a mask mandate. Your numbers are crazy. We need you to mandate masks. The governor of that state came out and acknowledged Joe Biden as president elect. And the next thing they got from the White House was. Eh, we trust you. Do what's right. <laughs> hey, we got to take a short break, folks. Um, I want to thank uh, Chris Adcock, uh, Pasha Morgan, Kathy Burns, and Charles Goldman, and they'll be sticking with us for the uh, rest of the program too. We'll be back in just a minute. We want to. Um, we'll discuss the um, comforting reality that America seems to have dodged the um, judicial coup bullet. But what about the ongoing threat of Trump-endorsed violence? And what about the threat of violence on the left? We'll be back in a minute to talk about that on the Fallon Forum. And in the meantime, I want to take a second to thank uh, the other, uh, some of the other entities that helped make this program possible. Uh, thanks um, to uh, underwriting provided by Hawk Restaurant in Des Moines East Village. Uh, at Hawk, 90% of the food served comes from Iowa farms and Iowa producers. Hawk is open Monday through Saturday for dine-in, patio seating, curbside pickup, and carryout. More at Hawk, H-O-Q, hawktable.com. Underwriting also by Bold Iowa, founded in 2015 to build urban rural coalitions to address climate change, to prevent the abuse of eminent domain, and to protect Iowa's soil, air, and water. Bold Iowa is committed to using peaceful, nonviolent means to push for change. More information at boldiowa.com. Underwriting also provided by Story County Veterinary Clinic. Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience caring for large and small animals. More information at Story County Veterinary Clinic's Facebook page 
or 515-232-8766. Gateway Marketing Cafe is your locally owned grocery and specialty food store. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Catering and floral services are also available. The cafe is open for carryout and delivery daily. Gateway Market is centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. It's important to know where your food comes from. At Hawk Restaurant, that's easy because 90% comes from Iowa farms and Iowa producers. At East 5th and Walnut Street, Hawk is open Monday through Saturday for dine-in, patio seating, curbside pickup, and carry-out. Hawk also serves fantastic breakfast wraps with 100% of the ingredients from Iowa, except for the salt and pepper. Learn more at hawktable.com. That's H-O-Q-table.com. Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design-built services for high-performance, no-maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. They've been doing this work for over 30 years on a wide variety of project types, specializing in super-insulated structures made from, wait for it, grain bins. Yep, with the right experience, tools, and creativity, so much is possible. View images of projects and learn more at architecturebysynthesis.com. That's architecturebysynthesis. So welcome back to the program, folks. And um, again, with us, Chris Adcock, Pasha Morgan, Kathy Burns, and Charles Goldman. So um, there has not been a lot of violence since the election, but as Pasha pointed out earlier, Trump has done nothing to dissuade his opponents from continuing to fight the fight. And we even have the Iowa State University Republicans coming out and saying it's time to arm up. And a pretty impressive response by others at the university against that. But uh, it seems to me that we may be out of the woods when it comes to uh, Trump trying to steal the election in the courts, but what about the grassroots? What about the threat of violence? I found the uh, ISU, Iowa State University Republicans uh, tweet issue pretty interesting from a First Amendment point of view as well. Um, Arm up doesn't necessarily say arm up so that you can hurt people. I, I take it that way, but that, that doesn't mean that's what they mean. Um, I think that the, uh, you know, they, they were told that it goes against university policy, however, to advocate for um, firearms on campus and, and that kind of thing. So I found that really interesting. Um, you know, I, I'm still kind of fishing through some of the, the details of that, but to me, the the First Amendment issue was was kind of interesting. I I don't know. I we have to stop concentrating on episodes like what the ISU Republicans say. Mm-hmm. The, the reality is is that there's now at least a trebling, if not more, of groups that would identify themselves as right wing militias. You know, basically guys running around in the forest, you know, with their AR-15s or whatever, their AK-47s. So we are at a dangerous time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm somewhat surprised at how little we've seen any violence right now. Um, but I don't think we're that far away from another Oklahoma City or something similar. Um, and um, That's a pretty scary thought, Charles. No, but I, I do. I absolutely feel like it has become much more okay to identify yourself as a white nationalist or other white supremacy type group. And the, the psychopathology that goes with being members of these groups hasn't changed. It's just been, it's, it's just been uh, made normalized. So I am worried about that. And the other problem, I'm sure Baj could talk to this too, is there's a huge infiltration among the law enforcement enterprises around the country by these same groups. Um, and so who's going, who's law enforcement going to stand with? Should they rise up? You ever seen Batman and Bruce Wayne in the same room, Charles? 
Keep going with that, Pasha. Yeah, or 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 Clark Kent and Superman are never in the same room either. What it is like uh, law enforcement. First of all, it's important to note that law enforcement has never been law enforcement's own only purpose and entire purpose from its creation of the force that we know now is for securing property and money. Like it, that is all. That is the purpose of the police force. It is. It was. It's. It's. You'll have to look up the documents. It's all through there, and not. It, it's. It, it was founded from slave catchers. It's 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 made to to secure property and that is it. That is all. It is not about human rights. It is not for your. They're not for your safety. And they are. They have been tied with white nationalists and neo Nazis and and Ku Klux Klan since the founding. But Pasha, you you can't. I mean, the the police the police departments. I mean, the ones that are the ones that mean well and that are doing the right job. There is an element of public safety involved. Okay, here's the thing. There, <clears throat> it is so hard to actually say that there is, Ed, to be quite honest, because study after study shows that they do almost nothing in mo when they are over, when we have an over policing of neighborhoods and communities. It does almost nothing to actually decrease crime, but does almost everything to incentivize it. So it I, and and and, and it, they have who 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 I don't know any marginalized community that runs to the police officers for safety not abused women not black people not native people not lgbt they are not, so that i find it hard to say that they are some sort of safety force because i don't know anybody who runs to them for safety nobody nobody and nobody no marginalized person that i know looks at a police officer and thinks that that is a safe place that they should be so go ahead chris that's that's it, Pasha. I mean, I'm sitting here as a, a white woman who grew up in, in privilege and um, the way you describe it is so the other side of how I grew up with it, right? And I'm just saying that's how it is. I definitely appreciate the bigger perspective and that's where I come from as a, a human being as much as I can now I'm learning and like even in some of the words that you've just said I'm like okay that's another like little tweak to my understanding so one I appreciate you um, speaking up thank you very much um, but um, there there is this side that it's like oh yes it's there for you know protection Right. And, and that's what we struggle against. And, and as I hear us talk about this or even dive into this, I consider where I am. And, you know, we had a um, BLM event down here. It happened like within 72 hours. So in rural, rural Iowa, like you couldn't get more rural within 72 hours. This lovely, strong, amazing woman had pulled together 200 people in the region, 225 people. And we had this event and speakers and it was amazing and um but then a couple of weeks later the the police force decided that they would have you know su you know su support the i i can't remember and i the blue line and this is um this is an important conversation i don't want to derail it right. but i and i think it's uh i want to bring it back to the question of sure. violence and what you know, and what yeah. what should the res what what should the, um what should the community's response be if you've got some I mean, again, I, I don't even know. You, Charles mentioned another Oklahoma City bombing, but uh, there's so many different possibilities for how violence might occur. Kidnapping right. a governor. Um, yes. Telling but, your student body to arm up. Should, how should they respond or how will they respond? Both. The hard part is we don't know what to expect. Um, you know, that as, as you said, Ed, people, just pods of people and individuals are deciding on their own. Uh, I'm going to rise up and take back the election in this way. You know, one of the ISU students, another tweet that was out there was, do not accept the results. These people are trying to steal the election. It's time to keep your rifle by your side. So I, wow. I'm just not sure because I, I haven't been able to find what are the conversations that people are having? What are what are they wanting to do? Take to the streets, uh, get into people's homes, as Ed said, kidnap a governor who knows Kathy, how many how many of these tweets are from women good point uh very you know, few is my seeing, guess these are the two that i'm seeing were men um, i mean I, I i think you also have to understand that this is this is an undefined and inchoate rage which is heavily ma male 
heavily young male in this country. Heavily white. Or and generally white, white, that's correct. I mean, there was a fascinating uh, discussion with a, a woman who infiltrated the, the, the stormer dating sites, you know, where you could find another Aryan woman to be with, you know. And it turns out most of the men on these sites are these, uh, you know, these IAs, the involuntarily abstinent men. And you can't totally... <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> exactly. You know, this this is not just about political philosophy. This is this is a you know the group which is most likely to be violent in any society, but they've been given a philosophical backdrop against which to play out their you know undefinable rage against why aren't they better off? You know, and this is what's happening. In the march um, in Washington, you know, the support. Trump march that I forget what it was called. But you mean the million man march? That was the million thousand march? Yeah, something something yeah. like that. Um, march. That was the name of it. What was it? Was it? it was a million MAGA march. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Million maggot march. Well, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, main, the main call out, you know, when there was some violence afterwards uh, after the, the peaceful part of it and I, I didn't find much of that peaceful to start with, but um, there, the violence, I was looking at some of the videos and the, the Proud Boys and, and the other participants in some of this violence supposedly reacting, they kept blaming it on Antifa, blaming it on, well, that's not even a group. That's, yeah. So I'm not sure who, who, the, who they're really reacting against. Antifa. That's who they're reacting against because for four years, um, Trump has been telling them that Antifa is a place or a group and it had like a headquarters or something. It's a nebulous thought. You know, it's it's the one. It, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was, I was just gonna say it's the one time that the left actually has the terminology right. I mean, they let <laughs> they let the right grab pro life, you know, and they always and and then they you know took up this you know defund the police, which was a stupid slogan for a different idea. But for once, they have the right terminology. On anti-fascist. Right. Yeah. I, what I was going to say was that, okay, maybe it's time that we like, instead of calling it Antifa, right? Like, which makes it a something we don't really identify. It's like, let's call it, okay, you're fighting against anti-fascism. You go for it. Like, it's like, All right. say what it is. here's the thing going a lot of things, but going back to you, Charles and defund the police, that depends on who you're asking. Yeah. I don't know who started this meme when we say defund the police, we actually mean. Because when I say defund the police, that's exactly what I mean. I I, I, I mean defund the police. I mean community, I use community patrols and community policing. Here's the thing. In study after study, they show that if you go with basically the honesty trumps all policy, you get more results. They, they've tested it time and time again, whether they've left a bucket of candy out and told people to just take one versus mm -hmm. actually charging people for it, which they found that people, if you leave something out and tell people to give you a penny for it, they will take, they will give you a penny and take four or five pieces. But if you say, hey, it's free, just take one, then 90% of the time they will just take one. So the thing is, it's it, there's study after study and, and, and psycho, it's the psychology of people. If we stop worrying about, we're always worrying about this thing instead of actually realizing that the psych, everything is under the psychology of, of who you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Because it all boils down to where they've come from, how they're seeing, how they're taking in information, how they're processing it, and how it's coming out. So all of that boils down to that. So yes, take those functions, take those ideas, take those studies, and let's create something new instead of a birth, a, 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 a force and a standing army that the people who wrote the independence, first of all, warned us about. And, 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 and a group of uh, a department that was founded off of uh, is the birth child of slave catchers and let's create something better something that actually does something and actually is a positive instead of something that is constantly causing uprising this is not the first time we have fought against the police for over a hundred years now there's constant uprisings against the police and then we're still sitting here going well the police are great let's keep them why Look how much money it's costing us. I can see that we definitely need to have another program really soon to talk specifically about that. That's really 
really critical. I want to ask one more question before we got to switch topics here, though. So um, again, I know, as you said, Charles, and someone else said as well, it's really impossible to know what type, what form the violence from the right might take, but it's pretty clear that those elements have been empowered and emboldened and even legitimized by four years of Donald Trump's uh, not so subtle uh, racism and support for uh, white supremacy. So um, let's say let's say we can expect something and some things even to happen. What should the response on the left be? There have been some on the political left who say we need to meet violence with violence. That concerns me. Does it concern you? What do you think? Do you have um, do you have a, a, an opinion on that? And whoever wants to kick it off, go for it. So okay, so I. In Chris, my, is that your platform down there in Southwest Iowa? Is that my platform? <laughs> no, but interesting. Actually, I'm involved with a, a very active group of activists down here, and we're doing a lot of stuff, and it's quite impressive. If you haven't heard about it, um, well, anyway, uh, we seriously took. I mean, we took this seriously. Okay, so what do we do the day of the election? What What are our plans? Do we have you know a, a a place that we can go and be safe and like how do we confront this and you know do we and so every day as it got closer um you know we talked about it and we organized and um then we saw what you know on election night kind of how the results were panning out and nothing was going to happen so you know there wasn't going to be any acute action at, at the time um i think we're still on guard you know because just like we're talking about right now what might happen and and one thing that i didn't add just a minute ago was that maybe this this delay and seeing trump's you know lawsuits not panning out this is softening the blow in the end you know so maybe this violence that we're talking about it's gonna it's gonna peter out and right and maybe if we just ignore it i mean that might be an approach Pasha, what do you think just um i think wow i think that uh, it's really hard. Here's the thing. And I, I've, I've, this is a question that keeps coming up. Um, I am a love preacher. I am all about love. It's my God. It's my religion. It's my spirituality. It's what I believe in. It's what I walk in. Um, and so I'm always on that fence. So I've kind of decided in myself in these last few months and my, uh, um, <laughs> I've decided that I am uh, I am the birth child of the teachings of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. So yes, love is absolutely for first and foremost, and we should always lead with that. Always lead with a with a, a, a love offense instead of a violent defense. Um, that being said, and me against my own personal body, you could probably do whatever you wanted, and I probably wouldn't lift it lift a finger. That being said, however, for the people who are around and the others who who my family and community that are just trying to live, um, I will defend them by any means necessary if, if, if it comes to that. And um, so, and I hope not, because that, of course, would be the most horrible thing in the world. I spent years in the army and I was still a medic. So that's not that's not my that's not ever my goal but um yeah you i don't think that just allowing others to be sacrificed for the whim of of a group is not is not something i'm willing to do charles or kathy you want to weigh in wait i'm sorry to wait just i just need to clarify so pasha is that the what you got from what i said or is this like just no, I was just con commenting on. No, no, no. I, I hear what you're saying, absolutely, and I, I, I agree with that. And that's, and I'm just saying, if if worse comes to worse, which I also agree that that's a possibility. That maybe just a cooling off period of all of this might be just what we need to simmer down. It's not going to erase everything, but maybe it won't be a powder keg that explodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think we have to remember the lesson of 9-11. I mean, Americans don't say, why would they do this to us? Well, look at the history of what the American imperial power did in the Middle East. And then you understand that all of being all the violence and suppression does is beget more violence and suppression of a higher order. And so I understand what you're saying, Pasha, which is, yes, people have the right to defend themselves. But the position to take first is is peace. Yes. You know, otherwise you just become them. 
Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying, Joe. Yeah. Kathy? Um, it's, a, it's an unusual situation to be in where you, you decide way ahead of a possible violent situation what choices you have and to think that through. And I've been through that personally. You know, we've been through that. I've talked to my kids about that. You know, you talk about safe places. You talk about um, trying to connect if something bad happens. And, and it's just, first of all, it's just a really weird place to be in. However, it's not, it's not out of range for us to have to be here. Many other generations have been in the same place. So, um, it, you know, I think just looking back at what other people have been through and learning uh, is, is a continual task for me. I'm still trying to figure out what, what response is correct. Um, I, I, I'm glad I haven't had to confront it so far. Yeah. Hey, before we switch topics, and again, I want to, we want to talk about the Democratic Party and where it goes from here. I want to take a second to recognize some of our other underwriters. Uh, underwriting for this program provided by Gateway Marketing Cafe. That's a full service grocery store in Des Moines, Sherman Hill neighborhood. It's open uh, seven days a week. The cafe is open for lunch and supper seven days a week, as well as the grocery store and the cafe for breakfast on the weekends. Cafe orders can also be uh, placed through Gateway's takeout service. And you can find out more at gatewaymarket.com. Underwriting also by Ritual Cafe, located on the eastern edge of downtown Des Moines Sculpture Park. Ritual Cafe offers fair trade coffee, fair trade tea, and an all vegetarian menu. More at ritualcafedsmiowa.net. And underwriting by Birds and Bees Urban Farm, offering classes on how to turn your yard into dinner. Local food security is becoming more and more important to both urban and rural, rural residents. Information at birdsbeesurbanfarm.org. Noche is the premier home in Des Moines for jazz and cabaret. With its prime downtown location, Noche attracts both national acts and local favorites, including Max Wellman, Gina Gedler, and Tina Haas Findlay. Every Wednesday night, you can enjoy the progressive sounds of one of America's longest-running jazz orchestras, the Des Moines Big Band. Noche also offers a world-class cocktail bar and serves a variety of small plates. Noche on Walnut Street, south of the Sculpture Park in downtown Des Moines. Across the Des Moines metro, Ritual Cafe is known for its excellent fair trade coffee and fair trade tea. Ritual Cafe also serves breakfast and lunch and offers an entirely vegetarian menu. This unique venue is also known for its live music and displays of local artwork on the walls. Located on 13th Street between Locust and Grand in downtown Des Moines, Ritual Cafe is open six days a week. Make Ritual Cafe a daily part of your ritual. At Story County Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, if you've got an elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Dr. Kim Holding a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. Welcome to Fallon Forum. This is Ed Fallon, your host. All right, so again, with us today, folks, uh, Chris Adcock, Pasha Morgan, Charles Goldman, and Kathy Burns. So um, here's my question, folks. Uh, where is the Democratic Party going next? Uh, what happens now? You know, you have some party leaders um, like U.S. Uh, Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger, who um, blame progressives for congressional and statehouse losses. You know, other people are insisting that all the party has to do is to win uh, you know, used to be, be build a stronger urban and rural, sorry, urban and suburban coalition to win and to heck with rural Iowa, to heck with rural America. Yep. So, uh, you know, the bottom line is they won the presidency, but they lost everything else. And there's a lot of soul searching going on. Chris, let's start with you. <laughs> um, we have we have various uh, various elements of this panel have rural connections, but you actually still live there. I, <laughs> you guys won't have time to talk. I'm sorry, the show's over because I'm just going to ramble on here. We're not a uh, douse your mic. 
<laughs> no, I, so I've had a lot of conversations this last two weeks. One, because I ran for election, but also I have a lot of opinions. And I maybe because I have the benefit of coming from urban settings all my life, suburban and urban, and moving to the country in 2012. But um, we got to stop talking about being Democrats and be Democrats. We need to be the conduit for our platform and just like bring it to the daily life of every person, right? Instead of, so when I found out in 2018, when I was elected chair of my county party, that my job was to get Democrats elected, I pretty much wanted to like hand it back. I was like, no, that's not, I don't connect with that whatsoever. I think it's vacuous. I think it's, it's a lot of, well, it's not happening, right? Democrats aren't getting elected. No. So, <laughs> what does this actually mean? Well, to me, being a Democrat is like putting those policies that we are striving for into daily life and making them happen and making people realize rather than talking and talking and talking about them and, or, you know, because we're not really good at like creating MAGA hats, you know, statements. Um, <laughs> We, we need to stop talking. We need to start doing. And I've had a lot of conversations. There's a lot of talk amongst rural candidates, former candidates, uh, possible candidates, just rural organizers right now. We're like meeting after meeting after meeting. Of course, urban organizers are more than welcome, but it's one of those situations where you got to sit back and listen and take heart. Um, if, if you want to forget us, that's really okay. That's really nice. But don't do it. Kathy, you want to jump in here with well, you, yeah. Chris, you're you're saying a lot of what I was saying when we uh, when we had our show um, the day after the election. And I'm from rural Iowa most of my life, and uh, been living in Des Moines for three years. That's that's my big city experience. And uh, yeah, it's it's enough of people going every you know once every four years to the rural people and and sharing their ideas i'm going to repeat what i said last time um it's time for people to go listen to the concerns of rural america that is the glue holding america together and that's that you know it's not like you go there to get the votes you go there to learn that's what you go there for and and you don't just go and come back you 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 spend time and you revisit and you revisit and you invite and you connect and that's what it's about so what about the democrats who say well you know it's pretty clear that we've we've gained suburban support all we need to do is build a stronger urban suburban base and forget about rural iowa pat pasha what do you think of that analysis i think that is stupid mm. <laughs> Um, that is, and we've talked about this, we talked about this the last time, that's exactly how Trump got elected the first time, is because the Democrats forgot the rule America existed. Um, so that's, that's dumb. That's, yeah. <laughs> That is so ridiculous. Like, it just doesn't even make any sense. It does, I don't even have a grasp of why you would say something like that, because that's exactly your issue. That is your problem. That is why we're here now. That is why. Um, that is why the. That is why even though Joe Biden won the presidency, won the election, uh, we lost, lost six seats in the House, and are basically fighting for the life just to stay relevant in the Senate. They don't even think that we're going to take the majority. Charles, what do you think? No, I mean I think the Democrats aren't playing real politics. The, you know, they, they get off on these tangents of, well, we'll get rid of the electoral college. Ain't going to happen. Okay. It's not going to happen. So the only way that you are going to be able to govern this country, according to the democratic ideas, mm -hmm. is to convince people in areas you've written off mm -hmm. that there's a reason for them to vote for Democrats who are truly Democrats. You know, Montana, for instance, used to have every major state office in Montana was a Democrat. And now, as of this election, every major state office from top to bottom is a Republican. And the other thing, which is even, even worse, is that losing it in the state at the state level means, once again, the Republicans get to do the redistricting. Yeah, that's a key. You know, where districts are going to be. All the people, minorities on one side of the state and all the minority people on the other side of that state that was separated by 500 miles are going to be in the same one district. 
And 60% of people will vote for Democratic candidates, and they will get 20% of the representatives going to the House. Now, that, that can't happen in Iowa, which is good. I understand that, but that's not the norm elsewhere. No. And, and first of all, yes, the electoral, the electoral college should be abolished. Uh, yes, it should, but it's not going to be. Um, that's not necessarily true. I don't. I, I disagree that it will never be, but I understand what you're, where you're coming from. And you're right about that. But look, here's the thing. It's the Democratic Party's fault. Plain and simple. Flat out, it's their fault. The 2016 election, their fault. The fact that that the that Biden won the president's uh, president election, but we lost everything else, their fault. Because you want to know why we lost everything, even though he won the election? Because people weren't voting for Biden. They were voting against Trump. That's correct. So because they were voting against Trump, but not for Biden, his party didn't follow along. They were just voting against Trump. Once they, they didn't care about anything else. Matter of fact, most people voted party lines except for the presidency. So, so this pretty much, what this pretty much says to me is that the Democratic Party is right now on a track to become the permanent minority party. They both are, though. They're trash. Like, there, it's a, this, this, I mean, I'm, I'm, we can go forever on a two-party system. I'm not going to get into that. But these two parties are trash. They are trash. They are money hungry. They are money. They are vote hungry. They do not care about people. And if you and again, if you, if nobody believes me in the middle of this pandemic, when the when everything, when all the stimulus package had gone out, people were getting evicted from their homes. People didn't know where the next meal was coming from. They didn't have any money. And Congress, both blue and red, went on vacation for a month. Chris, do you think uh, do you think possibly being a little bit too hard on the party that you are county chair of? Nope. <laughs> Not a bit, not a bit. And, and, and most of my conversation is about state party, the IDP. And uh, really, we need, to, we need to talk about this as a t at least a 10-year plan. Like if we're not, you know, there's no quick fix and there's never a savior. And if we need to stop treating it like that. I mean, Biden's not going to save us. If you start looking at who he's putting in, in cabinet mm -hmm. positions, it's like, oh, really? That's who we're getting? Okay, um, but in the in the state, there needs to be a lot of change. I mean, we've just we've lost way too much, and then the support that has been. I mean, the disorganization is uh, incredible, and then how it uh, uh, filters down to supporting Demo or uh, candidates is absurd. It's it really has to be revisited. District 35, District 36, District 34, 34, and District 39, a couple other districts that are all districts that are made, that are the majority of color in Des Moines are districts that aren't even in the universe in Van. They aren't even in the universe in Van. That is Democratic. That is from the Democrat, the IDP. So yeah, here's the thing. And I get a lot of flack for calling them out and I will stop as soon as they fix it. Mm -hmm. well, like, people to the urban rural divide is the di huger divide, larger, huger, more divide huge, more <laughs> huge between part, party leadership and common voters. Party leadership is disconnected. Um, I think I think there's there is an elitism on both uh, in both parties, and they just don't get common issues. Well, the scourge, the scourge of American politics are the consultants and the pollsters. You know, if people would go out and do what Pasha and Chris are talking about is and find out from the very people who you're seeking their vote, what exactly do you want? And stop filtering it through people who are coming out of Ivy League schools and Duke and all these places. Right, right. You know, I'm, I, I got to say, I'm even beyond that. Don't even ask. Just show up next to the person and help rake out the, the corn stalks after the flooding, right? Mm -hmm. That's how you do it. In your district, I vote for you, Chris. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, so, you know, I, I've been around a long time. And when I, uh, just before I got elected to the state house in 1992, even, even, even after that, but I mean, I mean there, were, there were lots of rural areas that had Democratic representatives. Lucas mm -hmm. County, Floyd, Mitchell, uh, Carroll, um, Jones, Cedar, a lot of these counties, uh, and even some of the even some of the rural counties that have larger county county seats like Lee County, Des Moines County, even those are going Republican now. 
Why? Even going Republican. But the entire map where there used to be much more geographic, much more partisan diversity across state mm -hmm. is pretty much solidly Republican. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to say, I, I, I think, um, I think to me, I think this is going to surprise a lot of people, but I don't want to be too hard on the leadership of the party. Because um, <laughs> I say that as somebody who is frequently very critical, but it seems to me, it seems to me that the, um, the core of our problem is that we have an agenda that has forgotten the economic vitality of not just rural communities, but urban core communities um, and working, you know, working class, uh, working class white voters. I mean, Nice way of saying we forgot that the Democratic Party has forgotten the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why? Why do the, the same people perceive the Republicans haven't forgotten them? Because they're equally guilty of exactly the same thing. I mean, you end up with the tautology of, of Reynolds, <laughs> Governor Reynolds, the other day using as a justification for her inept response to the pandemic. As I'm watching one ambulance after another come into the hospital outside my window. Her justification was, well, we won by eight points. That must mean that the people thought we're doing a good job. Mm -hmm. What exactly are the Republicans doing for the rural person? They're trash. I said, I told them both, they're both trash. I, have, I know you, I've heard you say that last year. Chris? Chris, yeah. this one. Well, so I, I believe that there is um, inertia that is very appealing. Right. Staying the same is very appealing and it's easy and we know what we're getting. It's the devil that we know. Right. Mm -hmm. Democrats, progressive, moving. Like, how do we do this? How do we move to the next thing? It's hard. It's a hard sell. And when Democrats don't have I, I hate using the word messaging because it's so empty also. But like when we can't explain why we're here, why we exist as a party, except in like long plans and right, then Stick with what you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, Chris. To me, if the, the, the Democrats could message how we've become a, a, a crony capitalistic society and now there's only oppressors and workers mm -hmm. and make people understand that we're all basically workers in this society, the way we've structured it. That's it. That's it. I ended up like in this this Facebook. It was about COVID, right? And Fauci and all this. And like it ends up this woman was like the and we were on opposite sides, I could tell. But I was continuing with her. And 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 I said, you know what? The rich have already won. She's like, yeah. I'm like, there you go. <laughs> tell people all the time. I walked it like Ed mentioned, I walked from here to Texas and hit 70 some cities of what is it five different states uh iowa missouri kansas oklahoma and texas all red all the way through the towns that i went to had a less than a thousand people so they were tiny red towns the whole way through not one time did i get anybody to disagree with me about how trash the government is how the people do they do not care that government does not care about us that they do not take care of us 30 percent that's a magic number in case you don't remember anything else from this conversation 30 percent if zero percent of americans support something it has a 30 percent chance of passing in congress if a hundred percent of americans support something it has a 30 percent chance of passing in congress mm -hmm. they do not care they do not serve us they are our employees and there is nowhere else on earth i've been a manager i have been a a sergeant in the army i have been in a position of authority a lot of times and nowhere ever in any job i've ever been in would i would i uh tolerate an employee that acts like our government does and they are our employees so it's up to us to remember that they work for us and that they gain their consent to govern from us and make them do what we ask them to do Agree. And Charles, I think, was it you who said a little bit ago, what what makes them what makes people make these decisions? It's it's money. It's money um, and yeah. position and comfort. Hey, folks, we're out of time. We've got to wrap this up. I really want to thank uh, you all for joining us today. Thanking our guests here, folks, Kathy Burns, Pasha Morgan, uh, Charles Goldman and Chris Adcock. Thanks so much for joining us. And thanks to Ursula Rudenberg with KHOI and the Fallon Forum production team of Sherry Hardina and Kathy Burns. You know, um, again, please consider supporting KHY. This is a big week for the station as they try to continue to build the support they need to bring community radio to Story County. And also please subscribe to the Fallon Forum on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. And you can follow the Fallon Forum and KHY on Facebook 
And you can also sign up for my weekly blog on the Fallon Forum website. You know, help us continue to provide a radio and online platform to voices that the big corporations who own most of the stations don't want Americans to hear. Again, thanks folks for tuning in. Again, this program airs every week, four o'clock on KHOI and elsewhere on a bunch of other stations around the country. This is Ed Fallon, your host, thanking you for being a part of today's Fallon Forum. And this is Ursula Rudenberg here on KHOI Community Radio, asking you to remember that this is in fact the time of year when KHOI needs to come to you to ask for your support for keeping community radio alive here in central Iowa. Never was there a time when it wasn't more relevant to have independent, local, un uncensored media in your community, bringing you news and information that is vital to all of us. KHOI, that is our goal. We are a free independent media supported by the community. The place to go to support KHOI is khoifm.org, khoifm.org. Please donate, please become a member of this station so we can keep community radio alive. We can keep free media alive in our area, bringing you information where you will not be able to find anywhere else. And uh, again, this is the place to donate, khoifm.org. If you really don't like to donate online, we are at 410 Douglas Avenue in Ames, Iowa. Five zero zero and a one and a zero, five zero zero one and a zero in the old Ames Pantorium. And these days we're not really gonna let you into the building, but we will wave to you and blow you kisses through the door as you drop your check off in the mailbox. So please be generous. We need you to help us keep community uh, radio alive in central Iowa.